This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on a Friday edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, and I'm joined this afternoon by the esteemed Nick Pacone, a Philly influencer and Philly voice, to talk nothing about what's going on in Philadelphia over this weekend, including the wing bowl, which I learned before we started recording today, what that actually was in Philadelphia. But uh, the Eagles who are playing in a big game on Sunday uh, against the new England Patriots, that is something that we will not be talking about today. We'll be talking about something very different, professional wrestling. Nick, hello. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a big game Sunday, but uh, you know, like you see, it was even a bigger weekend this past weekend in Philly. If, uh, if I can, you know, lie with a straight face and you know, <laughs> tell you that. How are you feeling about the Super Bowl right now? Uh, fairly confident, you know. I guess, I guess you have to, you know, like to get there after the season the Eagles had, and just to kind of think, oh, well, they're not going to win it anyway because you know it's the Patriots or the Patriots. Kind of a pessim- pessimistic view. So, I uh, gotta be confident. A lot of people around here are confident. Just feel like because they feel like they have to be. I've been thinking a lot about. what would happen if Nick Foles did win and (laughs) the Eagles get the Super Bowl with Nick Foles of all quarterbacks and then they have to go back to Carson Wentz like that's a a downgrade at this point if like just I really I'm rooting for the Eagles to win just because I think it's going to be one of the weirdest off seasons ever if Nick Foles gets a ring and then just thinking about him coming back and just the weirdness surrounding that I get that Carson Wentz is like the perfect teammate and all of that but it's got to be weird, like the guy who was the front runner for MVP to not be on the field and not be a factor in the team uh, going on a historic run and winning the city its first Super Bowl. I think that's just very fascinating, and I think it's just weird. 
I, I, I just <laughs> can you imagine though, like thinking twenty years in the future that Carson Wentz never wins a ring, but Nick Foles has the one for Philly. That's in play. I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can't think about that just because uh, I want Wentz to win a ring so bad here, and uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy because he he's almost become a de, de facto coach mm. uh, since he's he's gotten hurt. You know, he's been on the sidelines, he's doing film study, he's 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 coming to work like every day. And I don't know how often that really happens with quarterbacks that have been injured, you know, and out for the season, how, how often they come, it's not really reported, you know, what, what they're doing other than like rehab and timetables of returns. So, uh, but you know, they've highlighted Carson Wentz kind of helping Nick Foles along the Doug Peterson's revamped the Eagles offense to Nick Foles strengths. And, uh, he's playing the best football of his career. And it, it is crazy. Uh, to think that, you know, he could be the first Eagle Super Bowl champion quarterback. I, I love it, honestly. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I, he's so easy to root for. Now, let yeah, me his, go ahead. And, his, he has a great name. He does, Nick Foles. But <laughs> he just he just has a happy to go, happy to be there, happy go lucky demeanor about him that yeah. I just I enjoy. He's the perfect backup quarterback who steps in. Like he has a very Matt Saracen presence around him and i dig it i love that he almost walked away from football and what was it 2016 after just yeah he was a pro going to kansas city or something like that yeah he had a two-pick season under chip kelly at one point with pat Shermer. like it's just he's had a insanely he left he left the field with when the eagles played the saints he left the field with the lead like the eagles could have won that playoff game (laughs) before you know with chip kelly's first year you know so I mean, he's he's had some success. I enjoy it. It's a least. very good Daniel Bryan story that I yeah, um, yeah. comes to fruition. But with all that said, I think the Patriots are winning, and I would be absolutely floored if the Eagles win this game. But that's I don't I, I probably just ruined all of our Philly listeners. But that's until the <laughs> Patriots lose. Uh, I I don't know uh, how I can. Yeah, no, I I can't fault you for that, that thinking either. You know, that's it, it makes it's smart. You know, to 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 go that way and kind of pick against uh, the Patriots is is foolish after you know what they've done. But hey, every dynasty has to end. So let's hope uh, for for my sake and Philly's sake that the Eagles are the the team to do it. My biggest worry for Philly right now is honestly just Dennis Reynolds not returning to always sunny in Philadelphia. That's my biggest worry in Philadelphia. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. That's, that's something i think about every day every day that's a lot i don't know if i can say every day but i do think about it just every other day it's really haunting me because always sunny in philadelphia is probably in my top five all-time uh favorite shows but i just i can't imagine that show continuing without him i think they're like without devito obviously we've seen that in season one but without i mean if i just don't think I don't get it why he would still have to leave because D is still doing her other shows and she's finding right. time. I don't know if the scheduling is just different for this, but I don't know mm-hmm. the idea of Dennis just being Could gone, be. but it made sense of him just being like, I'm going to raise fan. Like this sucks. Like the whole season was built around him just being burnt out. And then I don't know. It makes sense, yeah. but I'd rather the show not even continue if Dennis isn't there. He's just too integral. Yeah, and I I got into it a few years into his run, and uh, he's kind of become my favorite character. I know everyone loves Charlie. I know everyone uh, thinks Rob's hilarious, but hell, you know, or I should say Mac. But uh, that's it. You know, I 
Yeah, this is awesome. So I could totally. Uh, you haven't see thought it of the smell, D. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that show so much. Um, so we could talk about that all day, but. Uh, <laughs> let's just do that. Yeah, let's just do. Let's just talk about Always Sunny in Philadelphia. But no, wrestling's actually good. We b- bounce back yeah. and forth between wrestling actually being the worst, and sometimes wrestling is actually the best. And I enjoyed watching professional wrestling entirely too much professional wrestling over the last couple of days. And honestly, I, I just don't have much to complain about. But one of the, rather than start with the Rumble because the Rumble's a lot and just the takeover event and the men and women's rumble it it was a long show and there was a lot going on there so i I like to save that for um or kind of like melt that into the other topics i had uh planned for this because raw this week it's interesting because the opening segments with stephanie have got to stop that's i guess one of the things that i would say especially like she was the worst part about the Royal Rumble the night before. Her on commentary was just, I'm speechless, Cole. It was, <laughs> I, I just, no, you have to suspend I, a lot of disbelief in professional wrestling. I get that. But the mm-hmm. idea that a McMahon wh- who is married to Triple H, who has been dining with Ronda Rousey, isn't familiar with <laughs> her impending arrival in the WWE yeah. is yeah. just it's insulting and it's one of those things where you're like they think i'm it's just they really don't think i'm very smart they really don't Uh, unless maybe they could try and play it off like well they it wasn't gonna happen so steph just assumed that she wouldn't show up so maybe like they run with that like she's speechless because she thought that it wouldn't happen instead of you know, not, they didn't even like address that at all, which is kind of weird. But, uh, luckily for me, I was there at least on Sunday night live. So, uh, I didn't hear much of her and, uh, I didn't, I didn't rewatch the entire women's uh, rumble yet. I just, uh, I watched certain parts. So, hmm. uh, I think maybe I was luck- lucky because I, I did, I didn't hear many good things about stuff on commentary. <laughs> you can go ahead and mute. I mean, generally speaking, you can, you should mute. <laughs> commentary for most wrestling shows because it's generally just bad mm. but stephanie was especially bad <laughs> it was just <laughs> it, booker booker was in his own world complaining about or not even complaining but just talking about uh the two on one picking uh the duo against the single guy and like earlier in the night i forget who, what the other situation was later in the night where it was a two-on-one situation but AJ Styles had oh, just yeah. beaten Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Booker was taking the side of. I don't know how you could pick against a two versus one assault. I don't remember what it was, but it was just <laughs> one of those things where it's just bad. Maybe it was uh, the tag match Maybe. when uh, Jason, Jason Jordan. Yeah, that's that had to be what it was. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was stupid. But anyway, <laughs> is this crazy? But like in my notes as I was watching this show with the, the specifically the men's Royal Rumble. I thought Finn Balor won because I think a lot of times uh, it's not necessarily who wins. It's who, because I mean, Batista didn't necessarily win the rumble when he won. He got, it was not a pleasant reaction when Roman Reigns won, Triple H won, when Randy Orton won, it was just kind of like stunned silence. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. And like, because this is all scripted, I look at it as like, who came out looking the best on this night? Because this is one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. And I think it's hard for me to pick against Finn Balor, who I think has just had an incredible week. And I understand a lot of people were upset that he lost to John Cena on Raw this past mm-hmm. Monday. But if you watch that match, I think you need context. And the week that Balor has had seems to indicate to me that they see him as a top guy and they are doing some serious character revitalization for him. I think Cena obviously likes him and for him to do the test of strength with him and just do different, like the the whole match was built around those two guys being just strong behemoths. Like I, I think that's an under talked about point is that it was slow and methodical and that Balor was just standing toe to toe with Cena and it took a AA off the top rope to put him down. It was similar to like Johnny Gargano getting put down by Andrade Cien Almas where he was basically concussed Mm -hmm. in the corner. That's how much it took just to knock this guy off. So I think it's more than wins and losses. And even though Balor lost the rumble and lost to Cena, I thought he had the best week for me. I really do. Yeah. That's a great point because so many fans, uh, the points and the wins and losses is you know the be all end all be like like well yeah sure he looked great but he didn't win so how much does it really do for him uh in this era of wrestling i i think you're absolutely right even if somebody loses they can still come out looking like a winner and maybe that bodes well you know in the future for finn balor uh eventually maybe he can become universal champion again at some point maybe go to smackdown win that title or at least be in the mid-card hunt for a title because uh, to me titles really still mean something and I, I go back and forth with this a little bit like i understand they're kind of just a prop but there are certain titles that shouldn't be looked at as a prop and i i think it's the mid-card titles and the the heavyweight titles. So if Balor can, you know, stay in that hunt, and like you said, the character revitalization, I think is absolutely true. Uh, you know, they're finally doing something with him. They're not just kind of putting him in stupid matches every week. That don't mean anything. Uh, hopefully, you know, sooner or later, we'll see uh, him in, in the top spot for a prolonged period of time. I don't know. It's crowded. And I think that's something that complicates things. And it complicates things for Braun Strowman, who, I, I just yes. I love the companies. Just <laughs> they're really good at this, and they deserve credit for just wiping the slate clean whenever Braun Strowman loses a big match. And there was not much said about Braun Strowman versus Kane versus Lesnar, which was the worst match in the card last night, or uh, excuse yep. me, on Sunday uh, night. And Braun Strowman versus Kane was terrible. It was cool that Braun Strowman did another Braun Strowman-like thing where he dumped the announce table on him and blah, 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 blah. But yeah. it's just no one cares. And just it's just no one wants Kane around anymore. And <laughs> it doesn't do anything for Braun to continue to do this. But Braun lost. And he was not the one pinned, but he lost. And that is another thing where it's like he's like, I'm coming out. I want Brock Lesnar. I'm going to – he had a good backstage segment with Kurt Angle. But he's a – I just – it's interesting because Shinsuke talked about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on SmackDown being losers. And, <laughs> you know, I'm trying yeah. to see what's different about their situation than Braun Strowman, who continues 
over and over and over again of falling short. So how many universal title shots does he get? How many title shots does Kevin Owens get and Sami Zayn get before right. it's they move right. on? And it's interesting that they are seen as the heels and Braun Strowman is not... I, it's interesting they're not talking about it. And I think it's intentional. They are intentionally not talking about his losses and they're talking up Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's situations where they're coming up short over and over again. But Strowman should be... Get, more workers should be bringing up the fact that Braun Strowman is a loser because we are venturing closer and closer to a territory where I think fans are going to start catching on because they can only do this reset after every big pay-per-view match he's in um, so many times before people lose interest. Like, well, I guess this guy's never going to get the title. And like you said, titles are not just props in some situations. And I think for someone like Braun to really get seen as a top guy, as like a Brock Lesnar-like figure, he has to actually beat him. But there's no course to him beating Brock Lesnar anytime soon. And now with the rumors of Lashley coming in and that being Lesnar's feud over the summer, and obviously we're still building to Reigns versus Lesnar at Mania, where does Strowman fit in? Where does, and that brings us back to Balor, where it's like, I don't think he has a course to becoming universal champion and then you look up and down the roster you're like i want to see joe as champion i want to see balor as champion i want to see the miz as universal champion i want to see this guy this guy this guy rollins like there's so many options (laughs) that it's just it's really hard to see a lot of these guys getting title reigns anytime soon and it kind of bumps me out but it also just kind of is a cool thing to think about where it's like we're in a time where there's so many talented wrestlers in this company that there's just not enough storyline space to go around for all these guys to be in the universal title picture better, better yet, just to carry the title around even for a transitional period. So I would not bet on Finn Balor winning the universal title this year. And I don't think it has anything to do with the company, not seeing him as a top guy. It's because he is not Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, man, Braun was my guy too. I, I, I hitched my wagon to him before the Rumble. I was like, "Listen, he's he's got to win the Rumble, and then he's got to go on the WrestleMania, win the title. They got to whatever they have planned. They have to cancel them because uh, Braun is in the spot where I really thought he was as over and getting the same reactions that Daniel Bryan did back in 2014. And you know, they they were kind of forced to change their plans, but. Uh, they're like you said, they're in a situation now where there's so much talent around that, uh, even though, you know, he's getting these big reactions, there's still somebody that they could go to, to where, you know, the crowd wouldn't completely, uh, you know, hijack a show with, you know, chance or anything like that. I mean, they still do that, but, uh, you know, with the fact that Braun didn't win Sunday, you know, the way they, they made the card where the, the men's rumble match was before the title match. I was kind of like, geez, like they're, like he's probably not going to be in that title picture at all, you know. After that, I'd be surprised if maybe they had like a match at Fastlane or something. But uh, you know, it, it's it. I really thought that he was going to be that guy, and they were going to make him like the top guy. But I just don't see it now. And I, I I've seen people already say, well, he doesn't need the title because he's already, you know, as over as he's going to be. So he's, he's the attraction he is now. He doesn't need the title. I don't necessarily buy into that theory just because like you said, title still means something. And, and if people are, are going to continue cheering for him the way they are now, 
uh, he's going to need to be champion at some point. And he's, it, and it could be like, you know, three, four months. It doesn't have to be, you know, a year, but it's got to be at some point, like he's got to be wearing that title for this to be sustainable, to keep him, you know, in, in the main event for as long as they can. Uh, you know, injuries happen. Like you never, like if he's healthy right now, you know, like why, why not just make him the guy? Like uh, who else is getting the reactions he is? in mostly positive fashion i know like reigns gets a reaction it's 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 50 50 same with cena you know uh but like Strowman's like more cheers than anything so uh you know it's a good point you make about balor too so that's why i think maybe just you know smackdown's kind of gotten so bad in, in terms of since the brand split like they were the best better brand and now it's just kind of like i don't know what the hell they're doing over there you know it's Nakamura and AJ and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and really like the tag team division was like really good. Other than that, what is there? So a couple things. First, I you <laughs> people can go back and listen to months ago on this podcast where I remember having debates about Braun Strowman where I would because he was just super over. Like I don't think he's even where he mm-hmm. was just a couple months ago. Like you pointed out, mm-hmm. and I was saying he's never going to get the title. Like this has a ceiling and the ceiling is not what you think it is. And I, I remember listening to like the mass man show and I believe they were talking about, which is a great show. And I love those guys, but they were talking about like Braun Strowman being like one of their picks as most likely to be like the face of the company in 10 years. And he was like a number one pick for someone. And I was just stunned because nothing about, <laughs> I just, well, a, he's just that kind of, wrestler is just never going to be someone Vince McMahon is like yeah this is who I want to put um on posters I want him in ESPN commercials I want him blah 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 I just I don't think that's ever something for Braun Strowman but I just didn't see him getting to the top of the mountain anytime soon and it's because there is this Brock Lesnar roadblock there is this Roman Reigns roadblock there is this John Cena roadblock there are all kinds of other factors that just they were there months ago and I still think they're there where it's like, there is definitely a Lesnar problem. And maybe that's the biggest is that just knowing that he just has to keep the title until WrestleMania has kind of put guys like Rollins Strowman, especially because Strowman probably was hurt the most by Brock Lesnar's basically year long reign because you know, he was just super over this past summer. This was the time like his stuff with Roman Reigns was incredible. And mm-hmm. they missed the boat. And now it would not be as big and as over and as crazy as him walking around with the title. But to pretend that him walking around with the universal title every week would not be huge for him versus him just doing things without the title, I think is silly. And the idea that the company doesn't care about stuff like that and that we're post titles mattering, um, there is a reason they put the NXT town Andrade Cianamas when he was struggling to get over. There is a reason they put the WWE title on Jinder Mahal for months and treated him in a different light people like the company sees the value in putting the top title on a guy that they want to get more out of so i i've never really subscribed to that belief but i think stroman i I do think they missed the boat because there's no path to him getting the universal title i think for months and months and uh it's just one of those things where unfortunately you have to think prudently with stuff like this and six i just i'm thinking about just where things are going and who's going to be feuding with who and 
where the company is building towards. And I don't see a scenario where Ron Stroman's carrying the title. I think we're like, you can count on one hand, the number of realistic options of champions of both the universal title and the E title. And I don't think any of them include Stroman in 2018. Well, that lends credit to the theory that, you know, apparently the rumored WrestleMania ballot's going to be Strowman and the Miz. So do they start just putting mid-card titles on Strowman? <laughs> like, may, does that elevate the mid-card title? Like, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say no, but, uh, you know, there might be plenty of people that think, no, this guy deserves the world title. Don't put the Intercontinental title on him. Where, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's funny because, I thought that they should have done that with Roman Reigns and they didn't. And then they did, they, they kind of booked him backwards. Uh, but now like, I don't even want Strowman to have a mid card title. I think he, he's at the point, you know, he's he, the reactions he's getting that. And, you know, his matches are great. You know, they book him well in, in his matches. He's a huge dude that can do be as le- athletic as anybody on the roster. And uh, that's why I think, Maybe I thought Vince would, you know, hitch his wagon to him because it's something we haven't really seen. Like he's bigger than Lesnar, and maybe just as athletic as he was in his prime. And I I don't want to throw that around loosely. I think I honestly believe, you know, Strowman's so much better than what we see in the ring. And uh, maybe realistically, he he won't do do, you know drop kicks off the top rope or anything like that. Like, I don't need to see that. I just know how talented he is and uh, why not give him a run? Uh, why not just switch him and Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar doesn't need the title. He, his, he's a name value with, with or without the belt. Uh, but you know, that's, that's what Vince wants. And, uh, apparently he's hell bent on giving reigns that moment over Lesnar. So, but, Man, like I think Braun Strowman in, in Lesnar's spot right now with the title uh, would do so much more to build him as maybe the next Brock Lesnar for the next ten years, like you said. Like why you can make Braun Strowman a household name the way Brock Lesnar is, uh, you know, just by switching their roles. Like why why not make him world champion as this badass that that's doing all this stuff as champion and not just. You know, when Brock Lesnar doesn't need the title to be as over as he is. I like but, Sherman, but yeah. I don't think he has anywhere near the upside that Lesnar did. Or even, I, I, he'll never draw like Lesnar. Lesnar is well, when Lesnar be like came one, back or in his prime? I, I was, I'm still very high on Lesnar. It's just more, my issues with Lesnar over the last couple of years has just been, he's never there. And he never yes. wrestles on Raw. And that just... If you're going to have him be the guy, like my thought was when he beat the Undertaker that he was going to be the new Undertaker and that he would be the WrestleMania main attraction and he'd show up once a year and have a big match, which was fine. Mm-hmm. That made sense with Undertaker winding down and then Lesnar just signing on for one, a couple months just leading up to the Mania match and helping uh, other guys get over and just having a big match with someone else on the roster who's there all year. That's fine. I think that was my whole thing. But now I think like you said, he just doesn't need the title. And it was just all of this, him having the title and putting over Reigns changes. Nothing Reigns will not be a bigger star by beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It will just be this sigh of relief 
for a lot of fans who tune every tune in every week where it's like, okay, we're over this whole just half a decade long storyline of, well, these two both beat the undertaker and now they're on this collision course and it's just, it's finally over. So that will be the sense is like, at least this is finally done and they can actually work on something new for Monday night raw. And it will not make Roman Reigns a bigger star, but what they could have done this past year is had, Braun Strowman with the title every week on Raw, and then you could have had him with work more dates and feud with Finn Balor, feud with Seth Rollins, feud with Jeff Hardy, feud with all these different guys over the Universal title and have him win all those matches. That would have been the yeah. right way to go about this, but Brock Lesnar is a much bigger draw. Brock Lesnar, I'm sure, has a lot more creative sway, and the company is still trying to make him happy as long as he's under contract, but... We'll see if he's even around post-Mania and, post, I guess, post-Bobby uh, Lashley feud. And you brought, about, <laughs> you brought up, like, the Braun Strowman versus Miz stuff. I think I saw that, like, the new plan, or I shouldn't say the new plan, but another reported option is the Miz Taraj and the Miz versus Finn Balor in the club for the IC title at Mania, which mm. I think would be a better match. And... I don't know, because The Miz just got the title, so I don't know if you would have yes. Braun go over him again just a few months later, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I'm still, I think we're still at a point where I'm not certain where they're going with the Cena stuff. I really don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, I'm, I'd be totally fine with him just kind of coming back once a year. Like, I think they're at the point now, they've they've done enough for us to really get used to the fact that he's not going to be there, so... You know, like what he is there, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. Like it, it didn't really add anything to the Royal Rumble, you know, when I was there live to to me at least. You're uh, specifically, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, you I know, I think he added anything. Maybe. I thought him. I thought the final four uh, of the, the Rumble uh, was uh, incredible. Yeah. Now that that I agree with. Uh, leading up to it, I wasn't like, you know, th- thinking like, oh man, like I'm gonna see John Cena in the Royal Rumble and like stuff like that, where. Uh, or even if he came back from, if it was his first match off an injury or something like that, like I wasn't really juiced for it. But I think he played that that the the, the end of that match was booked perfectly. I think, and yeah. uh, I think it worked because Except you know Finn the Dollar crowd reaction to Cena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I dug the winner, and I, I dug how Nakamura eliminated both Cena and Reigns. Yes. Look, I like Nakamura, and I think his appearance on SmackDown it, it's they've done a good job of. Just it, it's a common theme, I guess, in this podcast today. But revitalizing his character and his status on SmackDown because he's had a terrible year on SmackDown yes. and SmackDown as a whole. Like you mentioned earlier on, was the worst show in 2017. It was the better one in 2016, but took a step back last year. And it really, it really did. Nakamura, though, like it made sense, and that was something I wrote down in my notes with SmackDown this week. Was like they're finally getting back to that point where it makes sense. And last year, I think a lot of it had to do with General Mahal being on the top of the card and like, but he still would come out the nine o'clock hour and it was clear that he still wasn't the main guy, but he had the main title and it was just, it was really weird. And there was just a lot of stuff about SmackDown that they just did wrong and they were just trying things that they shouldn't have been trying and whatever. But if you look up and down, like just what happened this week, it all makes sense. Like Carmella doing a fake cash in, which... I very much enjoyed. That might have been my favorite part of SmackDown this week, of her screaming and just she got she got a bigger pop 
than I thought she would get for this because she's kind of been uh, forgotten about. But I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that whole thing. And Ruby Riot, even though I still don't think she works as a heel and that faction's not great, what she was saying about Charlotte is true. And I always thought that was interesting is like Charlotte's like embracing the knockoff stuff. Like, I, I don't think that what she said was wrong. And I think it does make like validate a lot of um, great heel work is when they're actually saying things that are truthful and Charlotte's like embracing it in a heel like way of doing the woo. Like after like, yeah, yeah. I am a knockoff. That was odd, but <laughs> you know, it works, but she is like Charlotte. I am a big fan of, but she is a knockoff and it's worked out. And it, a lot of it has nothing to do with like her character. It's just more, she's an awesome in-ring worker and that just got her over enough where it worked. But I don't know. I think uh, if you go, like, going back to, like, the rest of the card, there was a four, fatal four-way match to determine number one contender for the United States title. And it featured four guys who belong in the mid-card. Bobby Roode feels right as the mid-card U.S. champion right now. And then you look at the opening segment. Shinsuke, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. That feels right as a main event feud and how a show should be built around especially on smackdown live so you just look at it and it's starting to make a lot more sense now yeah you're right and hopefully you know it's just the beginning for that because they they needed you know like a turnaround they needed like a catalyst and i really i've really enjoyed kevin owens and Sami Zayn together since october like that's not the portion of the show that uh i've been down on but it's it's just a lot of the other stuff oh god I think Sami Zayn's the best mic worker right now in the company. Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say that's a hot take. Okay. I would say you're you're He's really not getting enough really credit cl- for how genuine he is coming off every week. Like that post, yeah, that's that the great, that's the best word with Renee to close out SmackDown was inc- was just <laughs> yeah. he's good. It feels real, he and is. in a company where so much of the dialogue feels forced and is delivered by just really, really subpar atrocious actors yeah. Sami Zayn is really good his heel turn has been a huge win and i hope he wins <laughs> next week and i think he is and we get a really awesome Sami Zayn aj styles match at Fastlane because i think it will be great but i, I really do want to see a heel Sami Zayn wa title reign at some point because he's starting to remind me of the miz in that yeah those two just when they get emotional and they get heated Mm -hmm. it just it's something you can't look away from and it's just really good because what they're saying is just it feels genuine it feels just like something you would believe in i i enjoy it and i think he just does not get the miz deserves all the credit in the world and i love the miz but i think Sami Zayn is now somehow becoming underrated in the mic work department because he has just been phenomenal and he was so good on smackdown this week as good as his promos have been, I kind of get mad because it just reminds me of how scripted a lot of the other promos are. It's like, why can't you just trust the talent? And and maybe it's not, maybe behind the scenes they're, they're giving them a shot. They're like, all right, like do a promo and let's see how it turns out. Maybe they're not good. So that's why they script them so much, but still like seeing that it's Sami Zayn. Like it's not, somebody that I think they have put up on this pedestal that he's going to be the face of the company. Like we talked about Braun Strowman, but like 
he's just kind of toiling there in the, in the mid card and you're giving him this freedom on the mic. And now like pairing him with Kevin Owens and he's kind of in the quasi main event scene, you know, and I think he's in the main event. That scene. Being, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah. When he joined with Kevin Owens, I, I know Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon was probably the best. I thought it was the best storyline going on, on the show at that point. Uh, but it's weird because I looked at it and maybe it's because the way they they've had they've booked Sammy uh, in the past. I, I didn't view it as a as a main event type angle, but really you're right. It, it has been ever since October. He's kind of been in there uh, in in the spotlight. So he's obviously gained their trust to really just go out and like do his own promos. Like can can you script what he's been doing? Like I'm not sure. Like I, I don't. You could definitely tell when something's scripted now on WWE TV because there there are certain things that people like Zami Zayn, their emotion comes out, and then you you still see guys like Roman Reigns just kind of monotonous and tone deaf, you know? Yeah, I I definitely agree there. One thing though I thought was interesting on SmackDown, but two things I guess on this character, Dolph Ziggler wasn't there. After returning at the Rumble, so I don't understand why he was not there to at least talk about his departure and him coming back at the Rumble and getting tossed out in like two minutes. And two, why did Dolph Ziggler not come out to the Daniel Bryan theme or CM Punk theme at number three? Oh man, I I called that too. I thought that that would really my realistic expectation was that they would do Daniel Bryan just because he's in CM Punk in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> There could have been a riot, you know, in the crowd. That's with, what they should have done, though. You know, those just guys. <laughs> nuclear heat of either. Yeah, those, it would have been even if he fantastic. just did this fire burns or something. I just think, yeah, they missed a huge opportunity of Dolph Ziggler coming out to one of those theme songs and just. Dude, if, if they did that for like five seconds and then did the the record scratch and just not even have his theme come on just have him walk out with all the black lights, man, that would have been, that might've been the best rumble moment in history yeah. ever. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I, I think they were obviously, I don't know if this was ever even talked about, but I guess there would be concern of like, if they would ride or they would shit all over the ending. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they did that to the fans, but at the same time, it's not like he was in the final four anyway. So I right. think fans would have gotten over it. I think they would have been upset if he ended up winning, but yeah. And you know, Nakamura won. We would have all been like, "Yeah, okay." Like, and then they, I think, you know, a lot of people would have appreciated what WWE did because, uh, you know, the, as much as you know, hey, and give the Philly cr- crowd credit, they did not. I don't. I don't believe they did. Chance CM Punk at the Rumble. I don't, I don't I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I don't remember them chanting that, but. Uh, yeah, I, I could have sworn they didn't, but now that I think about it, I, I don't want to be wrong. So maybe, uh, maybe they did. There were a lot of chants, especially in the women's rumble. Yeah, I didn't like that. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you could tell why, but as part of it, when Lita did the moonsault and almost broke her neck, and the fans chanted, "You still got it." I was kind of looking around, like, "What the heck are you guys talking about?" Like we almost saw a lady just break her neck like a, a retired wrestler like to me thank god she didn't land horribly wrong on that moonsault what did you think of rousey coming in at the end because there's been a I lot of it. discussion about whether or not they she stole oscar's moment yeah. 
I don't necessarily think that's the case, but I do think they like pretending that this was just this huge moment and it was all about their women's roster and how far they've come as a company. And then we find out the real reason that it went on last was to introduce Ronda Rousey to the audience. So I, I think there's a lot of ways you can interpret that, but I, (laughs) I don't know the Rousey stuff I thought was bad, objectively bad the way she was introduced. (laughs) And I also think like she's going to, I hope they don't think she's going to be a baby face because the fans are booing every time her name is mentioned on WWE television. So like Charlotte brought her up on SmackDown this week and boos when Rousey's name is just uttered. I think she's going to be a heel. I don't think, I don't know if it's like a UFC to WWE thing where there's just this natural heel element to making the jump where wrestling fans are just naturally apprehensive about MMA work right. making the jump like oh they think they can do this so the average WWE fan just boos them but I think Rousey still feels like a big star which is good for the company but at the same time I hope they understand that she is going to be booed more than she's going to be cheered and if that's the case I would go full heel and have her do just a more extreme version of what Shayna Baszler is doing on NXT because I think that is the best option for her going forward but i also we still just have no idea what to make of what kind of worker she'll be hopefully she'll be as good as shan baszler because i've enjoyed her stuff but we'll we'll see but i can understand why people would be annoyed and why oscar specifically would be annoyed at that moment kind of being remembered not for oscar winning the rumble it has nothing people aren't going to remember that they're going to remember this night or especially the end of the show for rousey's debut not Oscar winning the first ever uh, women's rumble. I I sort of disagree, but I, I know where you're coming from. I Oscar's always gonna be the first winner of the Rumble. Like there's no taking that away from her. Uh I think people will remember that just because it was the first women's rumble. Uh as far as the spotlight, you know, I don't think Oscar lost anything because she slapped Rhonda's hand away. Uh, that was a good. I thought that was even more important than, you know, yeah. her just kind of standing there. And uh, as far as Rousey, I, I think, uh, you know, she she was not she didn't feel comfortable on camera. I think she smiled and then, you know, she had this like look of determination on her face that she was going to like kill people. And then she smiled after that. And, like it just didn't seem real to me. Uh, and I guess that was to be expected uh, with her. If, but at the same time, uh, it was kind of you know, a little flaky with, you know, the smiles and then the mean stares and stuff like that. And then the weird points where I'm so over this. Just, I wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling it, but it's like, I thought it was cool. You know, I, if it happened at a men's rumble, then, you know, nobody would be talking about this, but I think it's because the historic factor of the first women's rumble, I understand why it's being discussed. I understand why people think, that you know rousey stole oscar's spotlight but in the grand scheme of things if they want to be on the same wavelength as as the men right now uh you know that's that's what happens you know in sports entertainment you know stuff like that is what happens and you know i don't think just because uh it's the first women's rumble that you you can not have that moment like it it needs to be a moment like that now it could have been handled better absolutely could it 
Rondo could have not smiled and then <laughs> that was the that was the thing I keep coming back to that because it was the thing that annoyed me the most or she was like smiling and then like so angry and it's like well, come on like it's either one or the other or you can like you can smile and She's then as soon as you enter the ring she's gonna have to yeah. run the fly it's, how to do this but right I would say but, uh, I would have changed I, I didn't I didn't think it was you know an overshadow type of thing it, but obviously that's what grabbed the headlines and I understand why uh, I'm not mad that people think because uh, like, sometimes I get mad at the fan reaction because I don't think they're looking at the big picture. And I, I feel kind of feel the same way in, the, in this respect, but uh, I'm not going to, you know, crap all over them just because they feel like Oscar didn't have that spotlight because I could see why they think that. Yeah, that's fair. I think, but I just don't return agree. to just, it was such an awkward way to end the show. And I would have yeah. just ended with her kind of like where Shinsuke ended by clarifying that he will be challenging AJ Styles for the WWE title. Mm-hmm. I would have had Rhonda attack Charlotte to close the show. Like as she's walking, like they're all in the ring. She's staring everybody down. Mm-hmm. And then she just goes right after Charlotte Flair. Yeah, that's what I would have done. But I understand it's complicated because Asuka hadn't determined who she was going right. to be wrestling. And maybe they still don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I know they have these. I'm pretty confident their plan out is to... Flair, Ronda, and um, Alexa. Yeah, Asuka. Yeah. And that's, I wouldn't mind that at all. Because but... Char- like Asuka or Alexa, Bl- was Alexa Bliss even on Raw this week? I don't think she was. I don't think so either so i guess oscar yeah because oscar didn't really bring she was on the mixed match challenge though yeah i haven't watched any of that <laughs> cannot do it i've heard good things but i just i don't I watch the first couple but not not this not this past one i don't have time i watched but... like nine hours of wrestling this week that i can't keep adding yeah play. Like, god bless it. you man <laughs> but yeah i guess that's what i would have changed i would have had ronda actually do something physical with charlotte to close the show yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you're off base there. You know, it's just kind of like, and she didn't even show up this week on TV. Apparently, she's a full time wrestler now. Like, well, then where is she? <laughs> you know, like, well, there's no follow up to her, no follow up to the Ziggler stuff. It's just sometimes right. you just you think that they have this long term plan about certain things, and you've had all this time with Ronda, and then this week it kind of makes you think: Do they know what they're doing with her yet? Or did they just like figure yeah. it out this week? They actually do have her. Now they have to like change plans and figure things out. I also <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> didn't like Nikki Bella was one of the final two. I like Nikki Bella a lot. And I, it was cool to see the Bella Twins back, even though Brie Bella is probably one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen. And I hope she's not <laughs> back full time because she was so bad. Yeah, but well, I don't think so. I hope but... not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was hoping we would get Becky versus Asuka in the final two. And... That's not what happened, but that's what I was hoping for. I just Nikki Bella. Did anyone in the arena think that Nikki Bella was going to be winning the Rumble? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I sure as hell didn't. And, like you uh, just knew that Oscar was yeah. winning at that point. I just thought they should have left yeah. her in the final two or three with at least someone else that they uh, could have seen winning. But there's only a couple of names like Nia Jax. It, I would have done Nia. Yeah. Who would you? Who would your final four be? Because the final four in the men's was perfect with Balor, Shinsuke, yeah. Cena, and Reigns. Yeah. And I even think the final six was great because they did kind of like an old school, new school thing in the men's rumble, which was uh, something that you know I kind of realized it right away. And then when I came home and watched it, 
on TV, they they basically you know said it was like that. I, I thought it was cool that way. Um, man, final four in the women's Oscar. Uh, see, Becky was number one, right? Or number two? She was one of the two. first I think two. Sasha was one, right? Right, right, right. So uh, I don't know if I would have had either one or two stay until the end, but it would have made for a good rumble moment, you know, especially the first women's rumble to have, uh, you know, Becky stay until the end. Uh, so once she got, once she was like one of the first two out there, I was kind of like, ah, I don't see how they can, you know, have any of the Sasha or Becky in at the end. But uh, I think I would have kept the I thought, I mean, Finn Balor was in the, he was in there for an hour. Yeah. I think it's cool to have at was. least one Iron Man in there at the final four. Yeah, yeah. I thought, like you said earlier, I thought he came out of it looking like a star. There's always that one guy. And uh, the, the fan reaction when Cena pulled him out, like, that was great. So The final four tell, they definitely was the on. Bellas, Sasha, and Asuka. You knew at that point yeah. that Asuka was winning. Yeah, yeah. And which was cool because that was my prediction and I was, I was fine with it. But <laughs> uh, we... I probably would have had Carmella in there just because she has the money in the bank. And it's like, well, if she wins the Rumble, then she's got two title matches. And I thought that would have kind of been a cool thing to explore, at least in terms of commentary. Like, uh, like oh, Carmella is kind of spoiled or kind of go that route. Just just for that added layer. You know, it's more of a layer than Nikki Bella and Asuka had. You know, this is the final two. So I, I would have had that. The final four, at least. Just as like, a, oh, because yeah. you're kind of thinking like, ooh, is she back full time? Yeah. That's the now, that's the sell. I would have had uh, probably Nia Jax just because yeah. you could have had Asuka eliminate her and kind of the head the headlock over the top rope and then just kind of drag her over and then do it that way. That seemed like a lot could have been a logical finish to me instead of having everyone throw Nia over, which that was also logical. But, uh, you know, she's been in the spotlight on Raw for you know, a while. And, uh, man, she had, I totally forgot about her angle with Enzo with that yeah. romantic angle. So they, had, they really had to drop that completely. Year. Yeah. So that, that could have been a good moment for her and kind of kickstart her and eat, well, maybe not kickstart, but kind of get her back on the path of, uh, you know, that destructive Naya, uh, was so close to winning the rumble and, you know, Oscar just, she couldn't beat her, but that would have been too raw, you know, females so uh i guess nikki's technically smackdown still i don't know they didn't really explain that but she's married to john cena uh, so she actually yeah. via marriage is now a free agent a free. <laughs> as well so she gets the same powers as john cena <laughs> makes sense and brie makes is married sense. to the general manager of smackdown so she can do whatever too there's just they married yeah. into a situation where they have a lot more possibilities and options within the company itself. yeah that's true so that's true. Bell Twins good always thinking them. three steps ahead. Seriously. I just good for them. Yeah. Good for them. You know what? I, I, I'll <laughs> always like Nikki Bella. Brie Bella is absolutely atrocious, mm. but Nikki Bella, I'm always here for. And I, I, I do always feel kind of bad that her career got cut short because her torture act yeah. and everything else was awesome. She came a long way. I was a fan. Yeah, she, she really did. Yeah. So the other thing, though, we talked about this with the Rumble. It was something on Raw, and I, I really loved... This was probably my favorite match of the week, was Asuka versus Sasha. And the story they told with those two, where, I mean, it opened up the segment. So Stephanie was her typical, just very yeah. lackluster opening promo <laughs> self. But Sasha and Asuka, 
it made sense like Sasha being upset at Asuka getting on the spotlight kind of like Naya and Naya honestly has the just she it makes the most sense for her to be most upset with Asuka because Naya it feels like forever ago that she Samoa dropped Alexa Bliss and a amazing end of Raw yes. heel turn that she never got to finish that story they were friends yeah. again like a month and a half later because WWE has just changed their mind on Nia Jax so much in the last year. And then she was in the Enzo stuff and it's just, she got sidetracked and kind of pushed to the side because of Asuka's arrival. And if Asuka's not challenging Alexa, I think the most obvious answer would be to finish this Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss feud. And she's yeah, not going to be able absolutely. to do that. And I get that we're getting really meta here, but I think Nia Jax actually like has some real life reasons to be annoyed at Asuka's presence on Raw because <laughs> it's kind of sidetracked her career. But Sasha has a lot of she made a lot of good points that made it made sense for her to want to prove herself against Asuka. And there were some crazy spots in that match, obviously, where Sasha oh, just land, uh, that was just uh, I hate it. I I posted a gif of that on Twitter after it happened because I'm just like. Man, that after the fact, like I, I saw how she landed, and it looked like she did tuck her head and kind of rolled on the top, the top of her shoulders, maybe. So I didn't think she was like seriously injured or anything. I probably wouldn't post that if I thought she was, but I'm just like, man, look, look how close, like this, this industry, how close it could be to you know damaging yourself long term, and uh, you know it was just one of those things where. I think even Mick Foley had tweeted that she should stop doing that. And I had tweeted to him like, well, tell Big E the same thing. Cause I feel the same way when Big E does that, you know, when the, these people do that, the, those between the ropes dives, you never know what could happen. They have to clear those ropes. And Sasha obviously didn't hit her feet a couple of times, I think on the ropes. And thank God for this, the last time it hit the ropes. Cause I think it actually saved her a little bit from tumbling head first into, into the ground because it kind of contorted her body in a way yeah. that uh, it was a little, the, the landing was a little better, but that was, I think that was the spot of the match where I, I kind of paused it. I was like, Holy crap. Uh, great match though. It was uh, overall. I thought the so. ending shot was the best shot of the week where Oscar, even though like there was that, they just basically, we're rolling each other up to different submission moves to close out the yeah. match, but ultimately Oscar got the better of her. But there's this like five second lingering shot of both of them just clearly exhausted on their backs yeah. side by side. <laughs> I think it was a good visual of these two are even. So even though Oscar won, Sasha proved herself. I don't know. I thought it did a lot for Sasha. And I thought it did a lot for Oscar. And I thought that was just a really, really great match. And the crowd was into it and it took time, but I thought, I honestly think that was probably my favorite match of the week. And I will also say on this Raw, it was never clear what the Elimination Chamber qualifying matches schedule was. Why? Like, SmackDown does a good job of, like, making it very clear and basic of, like, here's our United States title tournament. I, I didn't understand why they didn't use the opening segment to clarify. Instead of Stephanie McMahon coming out, they should have had Kurt Angle or some kind of graphic showing up what is the schedule and it's going to be Balor versus Cena in the main event and Elias versus right. I think what Matt Hardy and I I, I just think it's odd because we don't even know what the next 
three matches are next week, right? We still just know right, Roman yeah. Reigns, I, I guess, will be involved. I'm assuming he'll be in one, yeah. <laughs> but it's weird, right? <laughs> He's got to be, right? <laughs> why are they not? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't, unless they're waiting for Monday to, you know, post on social media. And, you know, maybe that's why. But Last thing uh, on Raw, though. Love Balor versus Cena. And we talked about that at the beginning of just how people mm-hmm. have interpreted Balor losing the Rumble and losing this match to Cena. I think it's interesting that now that he's embracing the club and the bullet club stuff, that that kind of stuff is translating more to the study audience. Cause I'm sure you've noticed the too sweet woo woo after uh, like any kind of big move that Finn Balor pulls off. Like that's permeating into his matches now and Cena doing the too sweet was just, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I, I really did. And Balor doing the you can't see me and everything. I just thought this was one yeah. of those things where it just made both look great. I think Finn Balor's getting bigger. I, I can't confirm this, but I want to go back and watch <laughs> Finn Balor from like a year and a half ago. But uh, does he look bigger to you? I, I didn't really notice, but... Uh, I think he's getting muscular. Was, I don't know. I think he's me. getting bigger. And, That's my theory. You know, maybe, they, maybe he needs to. You know? Yeah, it can't I, hurt. You know, he, when he had that shoulder injury i'm sure it was hard to work out but i'm not i'm not saying anything other than that i'm not but you know would not surprise me uh speaking of getting bigger didn't ray mysterio look like ridiculous at the rumble like oh my god he hasn't looked that good (laughs) since what like 2004 i don't think he's ever looked that good in wwe honestly yeah and maybe that's just me maybe Maybe I haven't watched him enough in WWE. I don't know. He was doing the Triple H he, he looked to me at like, the end of his WWE run. He was actually having yeah. to wear the shirt. Yep. And Good for those, him. those pants, those pants just got so annoying. So I thought the tights he was wearing, I thought he looked incredible. And I was like, ah, give him 205 Live. Did you know who did <laughs> not have good tights? Who? Seth Rollins. <laughs> You know, like the flames. Oh, it was so embarrassing. <laughs> those are the most embarrassing tights I've ever seen. He's, those are his burn it down uh, tights. So I don't know. Like uh, it's like bad. I didn't know it was like it Kane. Until, like, he like he <laughs> forgot his at home, and he was like Kane. I need to borrow some. And he's like, I think I got a I got a spare of workout tights that you can wear. Man, I think it was like a couple minutes after he came into the rumble where I noticed this tights, and I was just like, what the hell are those? <laughs> it did not look good. I it was not a fan. <laughs> I I agree. Fan of Seth Rollins, not a fan of like this Yeah, I'm with it. Another like little note though with the Bullet Club stuff on Raw, I love that they come out with Balor, but they don't get involved. So Balor is not like yeah, they they're not basically the Miz for him, and he's not using mm. his friends to help him cheat to win because I do think they're building towards some sort of heel turn with Balor, but maybe not mm. heel turn, but just uh, he's already flirting with tweener status, but. I think it's uh, it's cool that they are not integrating um, the Good Brothers into his matches and that they're just like, this is our friend. We're going to do the two sweet in the ring and then we're going to hop out and then we're going to go. But yeah. I, I think that's important because I don't want Balor to fall in that trap of like guy who needs his friends to steal matches and um, mm-hmm. don't go the Cody route. Not every guy who has a entourage needs to use them to cheat to win i think it's good that balor is not using them at this uh, point. 100% agree 100% 
and they're even like entertaining too. Like they've gotten more entertaining than me just because maybe it's the association with Balor now, but you know, the fact that maybe they're not booked to look like, you know, they were (laughs) previously and uh, maybe slowly they're building them up a little bit or just kind of keeping them stagnant, which is better than, you know, not building them at all. I don't know, but they're just, they're there, they're, they're cheering and not getting involved is, is working for me. Yeah, I would agree. Last thing. So Johnny Gargano match of the year already with Andrade <laughs> Cien Almas was, I did not think it was possible after Adam Cole versus Alistair Black, which was so good. And another guy who took a ridiculous spot. I think that was the highlight of like this weekend was wrestlers taking ridiculous chances. Sasha Banks, yes. uh, Adam Cole landing on his back on the two chairs that just, it just couldn't have felt good. And then My Johnny God, Gargano, that was incredible. the shots that he was taking and that their angle they're running with is like Johnny Gargano is clearly concussed and is just seeing stars after the double knees mm. to the, uh, what do you call that? Cause they're, it, what what do we call? Because it's not. I, I would say it's not the turnbuckle. Like what is that below it the, that makes the the sound the horrible sound of the head crashing into it? Does that still qualify as the turnbuckle? Is it the steel part? Yeah, but like the lower part uh, where I guess his head ricochets off of it. I don't. Uh, I don't know what I would call that, but whatever. Um, I don't the rest of them doing that more, and they're making the sound effects more yeah. severe now I, I it's just i whatever anyway he like that's what it took to beat him was him just literally being like concussed in the ring and it worked and it still made him look great losing to almost like that and the crowd did w- was appreciative of the match mm-hmm. and everything else but it was incredible and his matches are always awesome and the story that was told and then just saving Ciampa for the very end and reading the reports of what's going on at the next team the next month of like, I, I don't know. Should we drop spoilers? I don't even know if you've read this. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I'm all in cause I haven't heard this, but I want to hear it. So he's been written off I'm NXT down. television. Oh wow. Be- Gargano? Yes, or Gargano Ciampa? because okay. he had like basically, he had another rematch with Almas, and if he couldn't beat him, this time he was just going to leave, and he lost. Huh. Oh, wow. Is this on, like, TV? Yes, this is in the next uh, round of tapings. Actually, in Atlanta. Okay. Oh. So. Okay, okay. I think it's interesting. I think what they're going with him, and I think he's he's going to be... I think it's smart to keep him in XT for the long haul. I really do. Some guys, it's mm. just... I don't know what you do at this point or where they move on. Like I think the Cassius Ono might be in the worst place of anyone in NXT right now. Yeah. Him yeah. not just coming out as Chris Hero might be one of the biggest <laughs> mistakes he's had, but like also placing him with Velveteen Dream, knowing that Velveteen Dream is just the superstar at this point and expecting fans not to cheer for Dream over Ono right. was absurd. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. very, very stupid on their part to put him with him. If you're trying to make Cassius Ono, a over baby face. That was Especially not the right guy. Philly. In a smarky crowd. Yeah, it's just, that was stupid. Yeah. There was no force. Like, they love there. Hero, but, you know, they love, obviously, they love the cool heels more and they're going to cheer them more regardless. Velveteen Dream's entrance, he was just like, he got a mouthpiece delivered to him. 
<laughs> he tried to knock him out in 10 seconds. Like, of course people are going to cheer for Velveteen Dream. I love that guy. He's incredible. <laughs> the best part of Tough Enough. Oh, my God. And he's still like <laughs> only like 22 years old. That's probably the yeah. best part. Is He's like actually one of their only young talents that uh, has Ooh. a superstar trajectory because all these other guys NXT has just been filled with old guys getting the belt and it's just ironic that it's called next when it's all these <laughs> older talents getting yeah. the title but he's actually one of the young ones who yeah the belt soon but um back to Gargano he is I, I don't know if he's on track to I guess you have to for this story to win the belt at some point but they're gonna do a long-term story with Ciampa and I just want to ask you, where do you think they're going with Gargano? Because he had his big takeover match, and there's only a couple of these a year. Does he get it at the SummerSlam yes. takeover? Does like Where does he fit in? Because Ricochet's on the way. EC3's on the right. way. Like If you look up and down this roster, Roderick Strong, you would think, would get a chance. Somewhere. Drew McIntyre is going to get healthy again. But I, I guess I could see him debuting on the main roster instead of going back to NXT. Yeah. But yeah. there's just so much talent on NXT right now that I don't know where they're going with him. I think it's interesting, but he is their best baby face in the company right now. And his matches are must see. And it's going to be hard to top what he did with almost this year, but I'm fascinated and I'm very much excited to see where this goes. Yeah. I, th- I think a long-term uh, feud with Chapa makes sense, uh, but I would not, hate it if it didn't happen if it meant gargano just and i'm not buying into the fact that he's going to be in nxt for a long time because you just listed all the talent that's coming maybe they make that move and send him to 205 live and make him him the face (laughs) i will not allow this i've seen this brought up on no 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 you don't think he'll be the, the maybe he can change you know the whole Face of the cruiserweight there division. There is one name who can change 205 Live, and he's already on the roster. And I have no idea why they do not just put him there full time. It's Pete Dunn. Yeah. Why is Pete Dunn not yeah. the face of 205 Live? Because yeah, he's he. I guess he can't make a. Why a are they still trying the week? UK stuff? Isn't Roddy Strong like trying to become the UK champion? Why? I think so. I th- think that was a. Didn't they, they did they take that or give was up that on things? Upcoming match. Just give know. up. Yeah, it's fine. Just move on. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Put Tyler Bate. Put him in in um two or five. But if you can him. get Gargano and Don there, and they have like a match for the cruiserweight title, that would be no. Lit. Gargano is too big. Too big of a star. No. Gargano does not belong in 205 Live. And I swear I will hang up this call if you suggest that Ricochet should go to 205 Live. Because that is that is it, sir. That is it. Well, so, I just don't think Gargano is they're going to do him justice on the main roster. That might be the only but way. But I, I don't think... NXT, I guess. Right. And, and I wouldn't be... I'm not opposed to that. I just don't know if they would do that. You know, and then if once he... If he wins the title, then what? You know, like he's eventually going to have to drop it. And then what does he do after that? But I, I know we're like, we're thinking long, long term. So maybe that's not for like another year or two from now. But, uh, you know, Gargano to me right now is kind of like how Sam, Sami Zayn was for NXT before uh, he won the title. Where like he, you know, once he finally won the title, was, then Kevin Owens had to turn on him and whatever. Like he was the, the darling of NXT, uh, Sami Zayn was. So I can see Gargano doing that. But, you know, since... 
I thought they would have had Gargano win at least the title and then have Ciampa come back. Is Ciampa still hurt, by the way? Like, he was limping. I thought, like, he would have been completely healthy by now, but... The fact that he was limping makes you think he's actually healthy. Okay. I think they're playing... I I think he was wearing a brace. I I wasn't sure. He was wearing a brace. Okay. But I don't think any... None of that really matters. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure where he's at, but I think... If I am booking NXT and like this is what complicates things is just like Ricochet is ready to go and you have to get on TV sooner rather than later. But I do think if I was booking this show or like mapping out where they should go with Gargano over the next year, I would lead to him being the one to ultimately win NXT title next from Almas. And then I have the biggest feud of the year being him versus Velveteen Dream. Mm. Those two. I just think, like, seeing what Velveteen was even able to do with Aleister Black, and that was my feud of the year for 2017. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, another name, where does Black go? He's probably the yeah. only one who I don't think needs the NXT title right now among the top guys on NXT. But where does he fit? Because it seems like he's next in line to challenge Almas. So, I don't know. Well, NXT is, yeah, they're running into a problem that we should have foreseen coming was that when you acquire this much talent and you don't release anyone it gets complicated and it gets very crowded very quickly yeah the funny thing is at SummerSlam you know we had uh, you know there was so much talent moving up that NXT felt completely lifeless at, at one point and then you had like Adam Cole come in you know O'Reilly Fish and then you know, more and more and more. And now we're at the point where like six months ago, like we're like, man, NXT is like really thin and <laughs> they're not even close to that now. So you're right. It, it could be a problem long-term or maybe even short term of potential NXT champions in 2018, Adam Cole, Alistair Black. Yeah. Almost is already there. Um, Gargano, Gargano, maybe. EC3, Eric Young, Drew McIntyre, Cassius Ono. Man, Eric Young, too. Yeah, EC3. Leo Rush. Yeah. Roderick Ricochet, even, maybe. Tommaso Ciampa. (laughs) Velveteen Dream. Like, up and down the list. I mean, Ricochet. Who knows how long they will wait on that? Because, I mean, he's just... Ricochet is going to be a superstar. He's just going to be a superstar. And, you know, my favorite NXT guy who... Is a very divisive figure among wrestling fans. Tino Sabatelli. All in on Tino. Yeah, yeah. Is he that divisive? I guess I haven't. Well, it's just because I think he's a guy who he, for me, he represents the 2000. He's like a ruthless aggression era guy that Vince would push, <laughs> and he doesn't fit at all. The best era ever. Yes, the era that the company never <laughs> talks about. Um. Yeah, he's someone who I think I could see them putting the title on at some point if they finally move him away from the tag division. But I, I, I could see Tino like he is. I wrote about this of like he is like the highest ceiling and the lowest floor of anyone in the company. I could see him being a two-time WWE champion and like a one-time NXT champion. I could also see him <laughs> never getting to the main roster or flaming out in a ma- major way and release and never seen wrestling ever again. <laughs> oh, wow, okay, I'll, I'll be keeping tabs on that. Tino, man, he's gigantic. Uh, he has the looks. He has the natural heel thing. He is just, he played football. Like, he checks every box of someone Vince McMahon 
would love to push on Jeez, the did Jim Ross bring him in or something? Hmm? Did Jim Ross bring him in or something? I have Jeez, no idea. It sounds like <laughs> he's been there for like four years now. Okay. Uh, I don't know, yeah. man. I just he just is someone I've been keeping my eye on, and I'm just like, if he gets the green light, I would not be surprised. Yeah. What a way we to shall end see. I, know, I remember we talked about he, uh... we ended with Tino Sabatelli. <laughs> That's what people. Turn I remember. In. Wasn't it? Who's his uh, tag partner again? I can't Riddick remember Moss. the name. Okay, they uh, approached like Johnny Gargano at the Performance Center or something. Yeah, like this was months ago, and I just remember them kind of like uh, messing with him, and they eventually had a match right with him. One of did, was it Tino or Rick Moss? Uh, I think they had was, a match with him. I think it was Riddick Moss, but I could be wrong. Okay, and yeah, they've done the and whole like they had the cars, and that's how they. Yeah, yeah. Is that they did it again? Maybe that was with Heavy Machinery recently. They did some. Oh, um, November they had Street a profits? Uh, situation with the Street Profits. Maybe that could be yeah. a feud soon. I don't know. Yeah, I remember that vaguely because as much as I want to watch uh, watch NXT every week, uh, sometimes I have to catch up after like two or three weeks. So I watch like three episodes in a row, and uh, I remember that when they were in the parking lot or something. And, with street profits and then their car and whatever. And it was, I thought it was funny and fairly entertaining, but yeah. yeah. All right. Nick Pacone. I think we've covered everything. I think we did too. Well, this is fun. This was a good precursor to it the was. Super Bowl. Um, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll be celebrating all next week. Cause I know the Eagles are winning. There you go. I like the confidence. I'm praying. Pray, I'm praying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it happens for you. We can find you on Twitter at Nipicon, we can read you at Philly Voice and just about everything Philly. Uh, Philly Influencer, yeah. Philly Voice, everything on Shooters Radio um, with Vaughn Johnson, who's now doing stuff with the Eagles now, right? Yeah. He is. Yep. Making the transition. He is. The perfect season of jump ship. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still a friend of the pod. And uh, yep. Nick, thank you for taking the time as always. This was always a lot of fun. Yeah, always is. Appreciate you having me on and uh, had a lot of fun talking about wrestling. All right. Well, we'll do it again soon. And uh, all right, man, let's get out of here. All right. Later. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.